Sunday evening finds us back in L.A. again. The day began with early Mass, which I politely declined, even though Ellen did her best to guilt me into attending. Michael, darling, God didn't kill Alex, she told me intensely. Never said he did, I grunted, and she didn't say another word. She's been hounding me about my unresolved God issues for years, and she never gives up. I've always been her pet spiritual project, and now that Allie's gone, I guess she's stepping up the pressure on behalf of her grandbaby. So they headed off together, me reclining on the old wicker porch chair with a newspaper, Andrea slipping her small, delicate hand into Ellen's aged one as they began the walk downhill to Alex's childhood church, St. Anthony's. Watching them go, I couldn't fight a tug of remorse. Alex always made sure our daughter got to church, was rigorously faithful about it, as a matter of fact, and I'm certain that he'd want it for her now. Plus, the eagerness in Andrea's face told me everything. Church binds her to her daddy in a permanent way, which makes me wish all the painful history with my own father, an Episcopalian minister, wouldn't prevent me from giving her that simple gift each Sunday. But as much as I love her, and as much as I still love Alex, it's just one thing I can't seem to do for either of them. After they returned, we sipped on iced tea and ate chicken salad sandwiches in the formal dining room, making small talk about plans for the summer. Andrea actually got a little animated about going to Casey's for Fourth of July, a nice change from our conversation in the car. But then her face fell when I told her Marty would be bringing her kids. You guys can swim all weekend. I promised, and she forced a dark smile. Inwardly, I groaned, realizing I'd unleashed the demons again. With her, it's like walking a minefield, and I never seem to know when I'm going to misstep. Maybe Rebecca can talk to her again, get her to open up more about the scar. I don't think it looks that terrible, but I'm not eight years old, and I don't bear a physical memento of Alex's death every day of my life. Not unless you count that butterfly tattoo on my shoulder. Ah, but that's a pure, perfect memory, a reminder of his vivid life. I'll never forget that sheer look of mischief that danced in his eyes the first time he tugged my T-shirt off and discovered the small monarch on my shoulder. I remember that he laughed, a soft rumbling sound, tracing it with his fingertip. Michael Warner, maybe a little softer than he'd always seemed on the outside. I wonder what Rebecca would think about my tattoo. The thought pops into my head before I can even stop it, and I rub my shoulder like it's just been burned, imagining her mouth kissing it, the way Al always loved to do, almost like the flutter of a delicate butterfly wing. There's the sensation of feminine lips pressed against my skin, Rebecca O'Neill making love to me, one seductive kiss at a time. What the hell is wrong with me? Alex deserves better than this, more loyalty. I mean— it's only been a year. Then how come with as much as I miss him, something feels like it's starting to change inside of me? Something irreversible, unstoppable. I've been down this road before, and I know what it's like to feel the sexual pendulum begin to swing. Which is why that unshakable image of Rebecca O'Neill kissing my back, tumble of blonde hair spilling over my shoulder, lithe body pressed naked against mine, tells me one thing. Baby, that damn pendulum is already swung.